Welcome to the Williamstown Church of Christ podcast. This is a sermon recording from one of our Sunday worship gatherings. We meet every Sunday at 10am on the corner of John Street and Douglas Parade, and we'd love to meet you. For more information, head to our website, willychurch.org.au. Enjoy and God bless you. This morning's Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 to 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and reclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the, ze- in the desert prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Thanks uh, for that reading. And and, uh, just once again, thanks for having us out. Uh, It's really lovely to be out here in Williamstown with you all again, um, but more so it's uh, it's lovely to to be with you and and, um, just know the the support and encouragement that we receive from, from this congregation and the... It, it's um, yeah, it's really important for us to partner uh, together and walk together on this journey with with um, Williamstown Church and, and other churches like yours. So thanks for having us uh, out today. Um, I uh, remember a night um, oh, a bunch of years ago. It was a June night, and we were with with uh, some friends. Uh, from at our small group night, a regular uh, sort of small group gathering, and um, and uh, we got to the end of the night, and you know we've done our study and prayer and all, all that uh, kind of stuff, and and um, we it, we're you know talking with uh, others in the small group, you know what's what's happening, what's coming up, and and that sort of thing, and um, it was uh, it was we got talking about the coming you know uh, school holiday. Uh, um, Queen's birthday uh, weekend coming up. What are you doing? Oh, we're um, doing another couple. We're going away um, down the beach, and we um, started talking with uh, another couple. And are we going away uh, down the beach too? And, and as we kind of talked to everyone, we sort of worked out that everyone was going away down the beach except us. We were the only ones that hadn't been invited. Right? <laughs> and we're okay with it now. Eh? <laughs> but uh, we've all had experiences like that. Uh, haven't we? Where where we're not invited to things, and it feels kind of pretty pretty rotten to be to be not invited, right? Everyone, we all kind of get that. Yeah, I see those heads shaking and, and stuff. Yeah, we all know what that's like. Um, I love that you're going through the Book of Mark. It's one of my favourite uh, books of the Bible. Um, it's it's an incredible story, and uh, what I love about it is it's it's a, a story of what God is doing and that. It's a story that we're all invited to uh, live out. It's, a, it's an invitation to get in on what God is doing, like uh, Megan said uh, before. And the great thing about uh, Mark's story is that everyone is invited uh, into it. It's a, it's a fantastic story. So I want to talk a little bit, um, we've, we've read from Isaiah. I actually want to talk about the book of Mark. Uh, but to do that, um, 
I thought, uh, you guys are preaching through Mark, and I, I don't need to uh, sort of, uh, do all that. But I thought it would be kind of cool to have a look at some of the, the Old Testament passages, uh, like this one, that are really important for the book of Mark. And that Mark, kind of, it's kind of like the backstory. It's kind of like going to see uh, you know, Star Wars episode, what are we up to, eight? Um, but to understand that, you have to see the... Uh, well, you have to see episode four, I think. That's kind of the yeah, four, five, and six, right? They're, they're the clinches, aren't they? <laughs> Doesn't matter about the first three, right? <laughs> to understand... Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where's this guy going? <laughs> so, is that cool? We're going to have a, a look at a few of the snapshots that Mark, that are so in, uh, crucial for Mark's uh, story. And ask... Um, what, the, what then the story of Mark is about and, and what are we invited into? And to do that, I'm kind of going uh, to travel through three different time zones, if you like. The first one is some five, or five and a half centuries before Mark's time, or even six centuries, uh, probably. And... It's a time where the, the people of Israel have been uh, pretty well smashed by uh, you know, surrounding nations, particularly uh, the, the, the world power at that time is Babylon. And in 587, uh, you might know the story that uh, the, uh, Babylon invaded uh, Israel and, and took away their, their sort of uh, important people uh, into exile uh, to Babylon. Uh, to the north, and they, uh, the armies uh, smashed the the uh, you know the temple and and uh, the the land of Israel. Uh, Israel became a conquered nation and a subjugated people, a people that were subjugated under the power of of Babylon. But they were a people who who fiercely uh, tried to protect, even while um, you know taken away to a foreign land, they fiercely tried to protect their own cultural identity, and they fiercely uh, held on to their religious practices. Um, often we find that, don't we, in, in, uh, for minority groups in, in foreign uh, contexts, they fiercely guard their uh, religious traditions and cultural identity, and that's what Israel and the Israelites were doing in Babylon. And there are people who fiercely and tenaciously held on to this hope that one day, one day, God would act to put things right. One day, they would again have their freedom to be able to live in their own land and be able to live as, as free people, right? And so into this, this kind of scene, the word of Isaiah 40 comes. Comfort, comfort. You know, my people, God is acting. Make a way in the, in the desert for God to act, for God to do a new thing, for God to bring back these people to freedom, to live as you know, God wants them to live, as free people enjoying their own land, right? So that's our, our first time zone for the people of of uh, uh, you know, subjugated and exiled in Babylon, the word is God is acting. 
to make things right. A second time zone is Mark, right? It's uh, Mark's time. Some, you know, uh, three or four, uh, perhaps, or probably less, yeah, probably about three uh, decades after the time of Jesus, Mark is writing. He's putting together this story about the life of Jesus for his community and for those around him to tell them about what has happened. And Mark perhaps is, is in a situation a little bit like those people centuries before in, in Babylon. Babylon's long since gone from the scene as a world power now, but Rome, of course, has, has come up in its place. Rome is now the dominant power that, that has conquered nations and subjugated uh, peoples uh, around them. And Mark's community is, is no exception. For the people of Israel, um, recently they've, they've risen up in, in sort of rebellion against this Roman uh, power over them, this Roman oppression. And of course, what happens when people rise up against dominant you know, superpowers? They get smashed. And so it was in Israel in the years sort of 66 to 70 um, they, they rebelled, they got smashed by Rome and the temple again was, was, ultimate, uh, was absolutely decimated. And so now, now Mark's people are living, are conquered, are living, subjugated under a foreign power and are living with this hope that God will act, that God will do a new thing to bring about their freedom. Okay. And so into this uh, situation, into this people, Mark's gospel brings a new word, like Isaiah's had centuries before, that God is acting to put things right. And Mark draws on that very story, prepare the way in the wilderness, I just remembered that I have a PowerPoint here, right? <laughs> Mark draws on this very story. In the wilderness, prepare the way of our Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is the story. God is acting to put things right. Okay? So here's our other time zone. And I'm going to talk about, uh, uh, in this time zone, where we live, out in Broadmeadows. Or if you're a local... Uh, we say Broidy, right? You have, you have local... Yeah, Willie. Yeah, okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and I talk about Broadmeadows um, really because that's, uh, you know, that's, that's where we live, that's our context, not because it's um, you know, more special than Willie or anything, but that's, you know, this is uh, uh, where we're from and, and some of the, we'll talk about some of the ways that we seek to see God's hope and and uh, joining God's activity in Broadmeadows. I'm sure you'll have, as we've heard this morning, lots of ways where that's happening also in, in Leeds Town. Um, for those of you who know anything about uh, Broadie, uh, it's a suburb that uh, sort of rose up in the 50s and 60s as, as uh, the government put uh, rows of, of housing commission, big, uh, well, not big, uh, sort of uh, three and four bedroom concrete houses. Um, and, and if you walk through Broadie today, you can still, well, we uh, live in one, um, still see all of these concrete houses. If you walk into a few of them, you find out that 
Um, mostly they're pretty much exactly the same layout. You kind of, it's kind of a weird feeling walking into other people's houses and realising that it's exactly like your own. <laughs> um, and uh, at that time, you know, the government was saying that uh, to the big uh, you know, industries like Ford and Yakka and these big, uh, big um, industrial corporations, if you guys provide the jobs, we'll put the people here and, and uh, provide the workers. And, and so at that time you had to, and we're told that you had to be below a certain socioeconomic sort of level and you had to have five kids to get a place in Broadway. That's, uh, that's how it goes. Um, and so you can imagine that uh, filling up these, this, this suburb of, of public housing in Broadway pretty soon led to some you know, social problems and, and dysfunction and then Brody, uh, you know fairly quickly gained a bit of a reputation as a, as a pretty rough ride and a pretty, um, yeah, you know, with a bit of its challenges. Since that time, in the 50s and 60s, um, where I live, you know, we've seen waves of, of uh, immigration, we've had, um, you know, post-war immigration, Greeks and Italians coming and, and uh, the £10 homes uh, come and, uh, and find houses in Broadie. I don't know if there's uh, any people who, who uh, resonate with that uh, background, no? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Lebanese immigration, Iraqi immigration, a lot of Middle Eastern uh, immigration. And more recently, Syrian um, and uh, Pacific Island groups. So Broadmeadows now, if you come and walk through the streets, it's a, it's a, it's a great mix of different cultures and uh, you know, people from different parts of the world. But what many people have in common is that they've shared experiences that you know, so many people in our neighbourhood know what it's like to uh, you know, face challenges, to face uh, poverty in different forms, to face um, you know, to, to know war and trauma, to know uh, displacement, having to move from your home and find, settle in a new place and all its challenges. They know what it is to be a min minority group in a, a foreign place. This is our context. And I think the Gospel of Mark says into our context that God is acting to put things right. In all these challenges, God is acting to put things right. Here's another story. We're going to go back for a moment to the, you know, this time zone uh, 500, 600 years before Jesus' time. And we're in exile, remember. Uh, actually, we're coming to the end of that time. The Babylons have been overthrown, the Persians have uh, taken over, and their policies are different. They're allowing all those, all those important people who got taken off to exile in Babylon, they're saying, you guys go back to Israel and you can start to rebuild your own community. And so they do. And what they find there is that it's not empty. There's, there's other people who are already living in the land. And so some of the important things for these people coming back is that we, we need to maintain our group identity. 
who's in and who's out. Who's a real Israelite like us who have endured all that hard conditions in exile and who's, who, who's outside of that? That's, that's one of the real uh, important things. Another one is now that we're settling, we want to grow and, and be a strong community again. And what do we need to do that? To grow as a community, we need to reproduce, right? <laughs> that's that's how, you know, how it works, right? Um, and, and so we need thriving families who, who will you know, have lots of kids. This is kind of you know, where they're, they're, the challenges that they're dealing with and the things are important for their community coming back and rebuilding. And so if you're outside of that, if you're, if you're not part of a, 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 a marriage or a, a community that can um, you know, help grow the community, then you're kind of on the outer as well. And so what do we find here in Isaiah 56? Isaiah 56, we have a word that speaks into that context. These people coming back from exile uh, with their group boundaries and, and with you know, some people in and some people out. Isaiah 56 says foreigners and eunuchs, people who are outside of you, who couldn't uh, reproduce like uh, the, the other families, they're not to be excluded. They're not to be uh, left out of the community. This is a vision of a community that welcomes all people, right? That doesn't leave, leave people uh, outside and cut off from the life of the community. And more so, a vision that welcomes into its worship life, into its um, you know, religious sort of participation, peoples of all backgrounds. Isn't that great? For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples or all nations. People is probably a better way of saying And of course, this story turns up in the book of Mark, right? Because Jesus, um, as, he, uh, as things are kind of getting to the pointy end of the gospel, Jesus goes to Jerusalem and he confronts this very institution which has become a, a, a means of keeping people out, of excluding people from the worship life of the community for a, a bunch of reasons. It's become, uh, in, the, in the temple, as, a, as an institution, as a, a, sort of a, a symbol of the worship life of the people, Jesus goes and confronts this, this attitude this system. And he says, my house should be called a house of prayer for all peoples or all nations. And we see so many times in the book of Mark where Jesus is um, including people, touching people with leprosy, healing people um, so that they can again participate in the life of the community, right? Over in this time zone now, in uh, back in Broadie, <laughs> 2017, and uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed uh, over the last few years, um, and that we've we've done each week, Colin and I have been running a uh, conversational English group for parents. It just runs in our local primary school. It's great fun. We meet uh, once a week, and actually, uh, 
we, uh, in years gone by, it was a, a bit of a mixed group, and, and so we'd uh, talk, you know, just do a, like an English kind of conversation thing. Uh, this year, I've uh, sort of been kicked out of the group because, well, not kicked out, but, but it's, it's become uh, more and more a women's group, right? And so I, I you know, I don't need to be part of that. <laughs> and it, it, it's moved from the take, from the sort of the, uh, the, the staff room table into the kitchen. And so now instead of just doing an English kind of working through a sheet and, you know, talking like that, they have a recipe, right? And they'll, they'll cook up a storm in the kitchen and, and you know, uh, converse uh, over ovens and sinks and, and things and, and it's really cool. But not only that, um, we're not just doing recipes that, are, that uh, you might associate with... with uh, uh, sort of a Western culture, I guess. But everyone has a turn at bringing a recipe and sharing that amongst the group, right? It's really, it's not rocket science, is it? It's not rocket science. But it's really cool because all, you know, people, no matter what culture you are or no matter what background you have, um, all people are valued and honoured and have something to bring into the life of the community. It's, it's just a way of making space for all people to belong. Because that's what the story of, of Mark is and the story of Isaiah before that. Making things right means that all people have a place to belong. That's a beautiful thing. All people have a place to belong. Oh, there's another. There's another dish. Just down the road uh, from our place, you might have heard me speak uh, about this before, is uh, this place, it's MITRE, uh, means Melbourne Immigration Transit Accommodation uh, Detention Centre. And in uh, MITRE, uh, we've, we've um, over the, you know, a bunch of years, over five or six years of um, visiting people, in MITRE, we've gotten to know people in all sorts of different circumstances. Some uh, now are, are, are there maybe because of you know, visa issues, that visas have been cancelled and that they can't stay in the Australian uh, community uh, at the moment. Others are there because they've, they've come to Australia and are uh, seeking protection because, uh, you know, from all sorts of different places across the globe. And uh, because of the difficulty of, of having claims uh, assessed and a, a, a system that is you know, really stacked against them, um, they, they wind up in, in uh, detention. Still others are there because um, they came to Australia uh, six and seven and eight years ago. And at that time, we're told that um, we, we think you might be a security threat. We're not sure. Um, yet they were given no reason or had no opportunity to, to challenge their claims. And, and, and this is a group that we've walked alongside for, uh, for uh, you know, four or five years while they've been in, in Melbourne over that time. Deeply uh, unjust treatment. But all of these people, whatever situation they're coming from, what they have in common is that they're told 
through their detention that you don't belong here. You don't belong in, in Australia. You don't belong in, in our society. And so what uh, all we do really is once a week just go and visit and sit with people, drink tea, uh, play cards, um, sometimes try to try to learn a bit of you know, their language, whatever that might be, Tamil or Urdu or, or um, Farsi or, or whatever. Has some pretty disastrous results sometimes. <laughs> it's a simple thing. It's not rocket science, right? But in that, we're trying to, to say to them that you belong. There is a place for you to belong. And where you hear that you don't belong, you know that that's wrong, right? Because you do belong. So making things right in Mark's story, just as it does in ours, looks like people having a place to belong. Back in the in the uh, in, in the ancient times, I know, right? Um, Five hundred or so years before Jesus. This is we're back in exile now, and uh, before the you know the return of people from exile. And Ezekiel, the prophet, is trying to grapple with you know how did we get here? How did well, why did this happen? And uh, this is partly what he comes up with. God allowed this to happen, or, or um, you know, this, this is what happened because our leaders, the leaders of Israel, were supposed to be leading the people according to God's ways, right? But instead, they were exploited and greedy. You shepherds of Israel, you who have been feeding yourselves, should you not feed the sheep, he says to them. And he goes on. Have a look at that in Ezekiel 34. It's this, this critique of the leader's exploitation of the people. You see, for Ezekiel, I've got to turn my page mid sentence, leaving you hanging. <laughs> for Ezekiel, making things right looks like everyone being able to share in the abundance of the community. In Mark's story, back in Mark's story, and we find Jesus out in the wilderness with his disciples, and there's a huge crowd of people flocking to him. Remember this story. And he says to them, or Mark rather says, that Jesus has compassion for all of these people because they're like sheep. Without a shepherd. Now, when Jesus says this, he's not just saying, uh, you know, looking at these people and thinking, oh, they look, look a bit lost. You know, they don't really know what to do with themselves. This is um, deliberately drawing up this story of Ezekiel, and he's levelling a critique right at the, the leaders of Israel. You should be the shepherds of the people, but instead you're ripping them off. 
you're exploiting them. And that's what was happening in Mark's day. As, as uh, farmers around the village communities in, in Galilee and Judea struggled to, um, you know, to survive with taxes, you know, heavy taxes imposed on them. And uh, as they, they struggled to pay, they'd have to borrow money. Who would they have to borrow money from? They'd have to borrow money from the, uh, the elite, the powerful, the wealthy people of Israel. Right? The people, in short, who were supposed to be their leaders. And of course, they would lend them the money, people would fall into debt, and eventually uh, the money lenders would foreclose on the debts, uh, displacing them from their land and forcing them into, into destitution. There's a way, there's a system designed to move the, the, the wealth and the abundance of the community into the hands of its exploitative leaders. And this is what Jesus takes aim uh, at, right? Because for Mark's gospel, making things right looks like, uh, it, it doesn't look like a leader's exploiting the people, right? It looks like all people being able to share in the wealth and the abundance of the community. We're back in Broadie. This is a, uh, a little piece of land at the back of our local primary school. And for a, a whole bunch of years, um, years ago it used to be a community garden, and, a ho- and for a whole bunch of years it's just uh, been neglected and, and not uh, operating. And uh, we got together earlier this year um, with a, a few people who are interested in, in do, doing something with this, uh, with this place. And over a, a bunch of months, we've, we've worked at this, this, uh, this land with just a few parents, a few families who are part of the school community and the, the local community, um, gradually ripping out all the weeds and replacing it with good soil. And now we're, we're able to be at a point where we can plant uh, new things. Um, one of our our, uh, our man who's been uh, part of this project from the start uh, has been faithfully, you know, in the last few weeks we've had some really hot days and, and our irrigation's not quite set up yet, has been faithfully uh, out there with his hose, uh, watering it away and, and we, we talked about um, you know, how he's, he's watering in, in the garden and he said, well it's our garden, isn't it? Isn't that good? Yeah. Because, because it is. This is not the school garden. It's our garden. It's a, a way of uh, you know, the people of the neighbourhood sharing in the abundance of the community. There's a little picture of, of what that's like. It's not the only way that that can happen, of course. But that's a little way that it happens out in Royal Meadows. Back over here, uh, a few centuries perhaps, uh, I'm not too sure, I don't think anyone's too sure, but uh, a few centuries before Jesus' time, and there's been a, a, a uh, succession of superpowers in control 
over that part of the world, starting with the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks. And Prophet Daniel uh, records a vision that he has, a dream, if you like. And in that vision, he sees uh, four beasts, right? You can read about this in Daniel 7. I won't you know, sort of go through the whole thing in detail. But he sees these beasts because that's how the people are experiencing the rule of these powers. It's not, they don't rule in human, in ways that are helping the people. They, they rule in ways that are experienced as, as inhuman as dehumanising, as beastly. And, and there's, there's a fourth beast that is, is like uh, even worse than all the others. But the point of this vision that he has is that these powers are brought to account. And, and this fourth beast is currently uh, ruling in ways that are dehumanising, in ways that are oppressive and, and unjust, is called to account by God. And in this vision, this ruler's power is taken away from him and is given to one like a son of man, like, or like a human being, depending on which, which translation you use. But it, uh, I say son of man, usually I like to you know, kind of use language that is a bit more uh, gender inclusive, right? But, but uh, this, this is the terminology we're familiar with as we find it in the Gospels as well. Power is taken away from the beastly ruler and given to the Son of Man. And not only that, Daniel struggles to understand what this vision means, right? And so he goes to the attendant to help him work it out, help him to explain it to him. And this power that is taken away from the beastly ruler ends up giving it to the Son of into the, the human being or the son of man, it ends up being power, authority that's shared amongst all of God's people. You get that? So power starts off in the hands of oppressive and unjust rulers and ends up as power that is shared amongst all of God's people. It's kind of a, a bit of a, 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 you know, what does that look like? But it's this very vision that turns up in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus, um, this is the, the, the way that Jesus talks about himself. The Son of Man, if you more the human one, if you like, uh, more gender-inclusive kind of term, I kind of like that, the human one. And before, as he stands before the high priest and the counsellor and question him, he says to them, Drawing on this, this very vision, right? You will see the human one seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. He's drawing on this vision of power being taken away from those who wield it uh, unjustly and in ways that dehumanise. It's a vision of power taken away from them and shared amongst all of God's people. Isn't that, isn't that a good picture? This, this is what... This is the kind of 
um, way of seeing power that we find in the Gospel of Mark. Because putting things right, making things right, God's activity of making things right in the Gospel of Mark is, is you know, moves power from, from unjust rule to power shared. And what that means, when I think about my community, what that means is that all people have a voice. And all people get to, to share in, in the decisions that affect the community. Right? Not just those at the top, not just those uh, far away in, in capital cities and, and things like that. Right? But all peoples get to, get to share in, what, in the decisions that affect the community. That's, that's how it looks on the ground. And so here's a couple of ways that happens, and, and then I'll finish. Um, we talked about our, our community garden. Uh, one of the fun things that I've had the, the, the chance to do this year has, uh, has been walk around the, our, our great fives and sixes. One of them's over there. <laughs> um, because they've been learning and, and working on a project to design a, a five or a three to six sort of garden in our community area. And they've, it's been them that's uh, designing this thing and working out you know, where, where things need to go in the right area, where you know, shade and, and irrigation and all this. They've been, been doing all this. And, and so uh, we got to go around and, and see all their designs and, and uh, sort of uh, uh, choose who was going to be, whose who's design we'd, we'd use. I mean, we'll, we'll use all of them, I think, in, some ways. But that's just a little way, a little fun way of all people sharing in the decision making of the community, right? It's not rocket science. I told you that none of this is rocket science, no. <laughs> but that's what it looks like. Here's another way. This is perhaps a little uh, more serious way. Um, through getting to know people in, in the detention centre over a bunch of years, we've gotten to know some, uh, some men who've uh, been uh, for, at different times incarcerated on a place called Manus Island. You, you all heard of Manus Island, especially recently. Uh, I that's been in the news. And... Uh, Right now, um, on Manus Island, uh, there's some pretty hard stuff going on. Uh, I don't know, I don't want to get into all the politics of, of that, but as we've gotten to know men who've been there, we've come to know that, um, you know, without question, people experience uh, this as a, a, you know, a terrible uh, thing, as a, as a brutal harsh and a reality. And um, what's happened uh, in these recent times is that the, that the men on Manus Island have been held there for four or so years um, for no crime, just for simply coming to ask protection um, in Australia. Incarcerated for four or so years on Manus Island and now are being told that you have to go accept 
there's no place to go. Maybe they'll get a place in America, they don't know that. Maybe. There's so much uncertainty for these guys. They're, they're, they're being told that they have to go to another transit centre where they don't know what will happen. Where reports are that it hasn't even been finished yet. People like Tim Costello have seen this uh, thing and, and other uh, human rights bodies. And so, they're between a rock and a hard place. There's nowhere to go and, and, and no one to hear them right. And so, it's, it's very difficult. What does it mean for their voices to be heard? What does it mean for, the, for these men to be able to have a say in what happens to them? So a few weeks ago, uh, I was part of... Uh, a, uh, you know, a whole, you know, thousands of, of people joined together in Melbourne and walked down uh, Swanson Street and we gathered together in this intersection um, of, of Swanson Street and Flinders Street. And, uh, you know, traffic was stopped and, and uh, uh, things were disrupted. I'm sorry if you're in a car <laughs> uh, trying to get uh, around the corner of uh, Flinders Street at that time, but... <laughs> But sometimes, hearing for people's voices to be heard, you know, drastic measures have to be taken. Because for people's voices to be heard, particularly those who are on the underside, particularly those whose voices are often not heard, it's not that they don't have voices, it's just that people aren't listening, right? For their voices to be heard, this is what we learn in the civil rights movement and, and uh, you know, other, other uh, like movements. Sometimes it takes a lot for those whose voices aren't heard to be heard. Sometimes it takes a lot. And so whatever, you, uh, whatever your politics are, uh, I don't know. All I know is that for our friends who've been on Manus, and their friends who are in a very difficult situation. Living out Mark's story sometimes means amplifying their voices and allowing their voices to be heard. Yeah. So Mark's story. We're all invited into this story of God acting to make things right. We're all invited into this story that looks like, you know, people, all people, having a place to belong. I wonder what that looks like uh, here in Williamstown. I know you, you, you're, these are questions that you're asking, and... Uh, and I'm sure that there's some awesome ways that, that uh, this is taking place. You know, like I said, this is not rocket science. You'll have imaginative and creative ideas about how to live out this story 
here, right here, in, in Williamstown, or Willie. This story of all people sharing in the abundance of community. I wonder what that looks like. For us, it looks like a, you know, a little community garden. What does it look like here in Williamstown? All people being heard and being able to participate in the decision-making of the community. What does that look like in Williamstown? This is what it means to live out Mark's story. Not all it means. I won't, you know, I've only got one, one sermon, and, and uh, that would take more than one sermon, I think. <laughs> but at least for today, here's a, these, some key, uh, these are some key things of what it means to live out Mark's story. 